Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So Haggis is okay. Um, As we mentioned in the previous episode, he was scheduled for oral surgery. Yeah. And uh, at at his advanced age, we were concerned about end results. But you'll be happy to know he's he's doing great. He is such a trooper. He ended up having two teeth removed, one that was abscessed and then another one that was just a garbage tooth. And they were really concerned about how he was going to come out of anesthesia. And they were giving me all these heads up, which, you know, we've experienced it before. And so I was like, no, nope, I totally get it. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And he got home and was like, all right, when's dinner? (laughs) And didn't even, I mean, he did not skip a meal. It was kooky. And as an added benefit to us, they kept his teeth and gave them to us in a a bloody plastic bag. I didn't even have to ask. I know, not this time. The question we have is, what are we going to do with them now? We're we're getting set to move. Do we bring them to Ecuador with us? I think I want to learn how to wire wrap jewelry and then make like a little pendant. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think that would look cute. Or maybe they have those tiny bottle pendants. Maybe I could just put the, it would be easier than wrapping jewelry, I guess. I wonder if you guys have any suggestions what we could use his uh, his teeth for. There were actually some really good suggestions on TikTok because I shared a video of his gross teeth. And uh, someone said uh, shadow box, which would work Ooh. really cute. Hmm. Maybe I could do like a picture of him and then the tooth in the foreground. I don't know. A lot of people suggested jewelry. Someone said make like an acrylic ornament for a Christmas tree, which I think is a really fun idea too. Oh, I vote for the Christmas tree ornament. Nothing says happy holidays like extracted, abscessed dog teeth. Feliz Navi dog. Feliz Navi. Anyway, he's doing good. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank Lo, one of our Freak listeners. They're a member of the Freak family. They suggested this topic. And oh, okay. It's from our home state of Maine, and I had never heard this story before. Oh, I'm very interested. The world is full of inexplicable occurrences, as you're well aware, if you're a listener to the Box of Oddities. Phenomenal incidents and events that baffle the most rational minds. 
And among the most bewildering tales is this one that comes from Falmouth, Maine. Falmouth. In Falmouth lived a man named Edwin Robinson. And he is the subject of our remarkable tale today. An ordinary guy living an ordinary life, as often people in Maine do, until his fate intertwined with a very unusual and significant twist. Okay. All right. Our story begins way back in the ancient days of 1971, when Robinson encountered a disaster that would alter his life. It was a car accident, and and a pretty serious one. Edwin was driving his vehicle down one of those back roads in Maine. You know, the kind that uh, is surrounded by trees on all sides with very little space in between the pavement and the forest. Yeah. Well, he lost control of his vehicle and uh, it went off the road and the results were devastating. The aftermath was brutal. Edwin's world suddenly plunged into darkness and muffled sounds as he lost most of his sight and a good part of his hearing as well. His once vibrant and sensory-rich life was now reduced to shadows and whispers. And I can't imagine waking up one day and being unable to see the sun uh, shine through the window or hear the birds chirping, but that's the way it was with him. That was the reality that Edwin was thrust into. I think the hardest part for me in a situation like that is not being able to read a book. Mm. That would be devastating to me. He was trapped in a silent, murky world. He lost his hearing as well? A good portion of it, yes. Oh, okay. So adapting to his new reality was a struggle, but Edwin was determined not to let his misfortune shatter his spirit. He learned to navigate the world using other senses, his hands acting as his eyes, his memory providing a mental map of his surroundings. And despite his efforts, however, Edwin could never entirely escape his sense of loss. His world, which was once filled with color and sound, was now just a dim, silent place. Having lost two of his vital senses, Edwin did, however, find solace and companionship in an unexpected place. His pet chicken, Tuk-Tuk. I love the name Tuk-Tuk. It is an unusual name for for a chicken, and a Tuk-Tuk is one of those little uh, motorcycle passenger delivery systems that they have in Thailand, right? Yeah. So this bird became really the only light in his life, a source of comfort. Edwin's hen wasn't just a pet. It was his confidant and a central part of his sensory-deprived world. There was something inherently soothing about uh, the warm, rhythmic clucking of his chicken that resonated with his situation. He would hold the bird, and it would cluck, and he could feel it, and it was warm and gentle. The vibrations created by the bird's sounds offered a sense of companionship in his silent world, a constant and reliable companion. One he could count on. So every morning, Edwin would navigate his way to the coop, reaching out with gentle, familiar hands to pet his feathered friend. Even though he couldn't see the bird, he could feel the fluff of the feathers and the warmth of the small body. To Edwin, this chicken wasn't just an animal. It represented a link to normalcy, to the life he once had. It was a piece of the world that didn't require sight or sound to appreciate. So fast forward to June 9th of 1980, almost a decade had passed since the accident, and Robinson had somewhat adapted to his sensory-deprived existence, but little did he know that fate was about to touch his life again. On that day, he was faced with two predicaments. The first was a brewing storm outside his Falmouth home, the ominous gray clouds hinting at a torrent 
that was yet to come. The second was a much more personal matter. Tuck Tuck was missing. No. Tuck Tuck was missing and the storm was coming. The storm had already started to unleash its fury on Falmouth as Edwin ventured outside to find Tuck Tuck. His hands groped blindly through the blustering wind, feeling the edges of the chicken coop for guidance. Each gust of wind carried with it a stinging spray of rain, the droplets pelting against his weathered skin. He was determined, however, and pushed forward. He was, after all, a man on a mission. He was out to save his chicken, sweetie. Imagine for a moment the scene that was unfolding, a partially blind and deaf man battling the wrath of nature, seeking out a chicken lost in the tempest. He was battling the elements to find his beloved companion. As he shuffled around his property, something unexpected happened. A lightning bolt, an electrified, jagged spear, struck a nearby tree. (laughs) You are getting so flowery lately. An electrified, jagged spear. Yep. The blast was so powerful that the energy jumped from the tree and hit Edwin, knocking him to the ground. He was struck by a lightning ricochet, if you will. In that brief moment, Edwin was thrust from darkness into unconsciousness. Oh, no. When Edwin awoke, he found himself sprawled on the earth, rain soaking his clothing, a taste of smoke and electricity lingering in the air. He was singed, he was burnt, he was disoriented, but he managed to stand and stumble back into the house. Tuck Tuck followed him back into the house. Tuck Tuck was fine. I know. I know you were waiting to hear about this. Yes, thank you. But now the story gets really weird. A few days after the uh, lightning strike, Edwin noticed something extraordinary. He could see shadows. He could see the shadow, the outline of Tuck Tuck. After years of being enveloped in darkness, even though these were just fleeting glimpses, it seemed miraculous to him. His vision started to improve as the days went on. The world before him started to take shape and colors started to emerge. Not just his sight recovered after the lightning strike, but his hearing started to improve as well. What? Pretty soon he no longer needed hearing aids. It seemed like the lightning had not just struck him, but also jolted his senses back to life. Do you think that that was all part of Tuck Tuck's plan? I think Tuck Tuck was behind the whole thing. (laughs) Because I picture Tuck Tuck just out of Edwin's reach, just backing up, like (laughs) keeping an eye on the lightning. Backing up. A couple of feet to the right. Yeah. Okay. Stand there. Okay. Well done, Tuck Tuck. The storm that Edwin had initially ventured out into to seek his lost chicken brought him a blessing in the most unexpected way, a bolt of lightning. In his quest for his hen, he found not only his hen, but a miracle. Really? A service animal? As you can well imagine, the story spread like wildfire, not not because of the lightning strike, but because it was interesting. It attracted attention from all over the place, which is amazing to me because I've lived in Maine, I had for most of my life, and I had never heard this story before. Right. But it's true. Despite numerous tests and a flurry of investigations, no one could explain Robinson's shocking recovery. <laughs> The incident was deemed a medical miracle, with everyone left puzzled, and it was never really determined what took place, why the lightning caused this to happen. Brains are kooky. And I think the best part of the story, besides the fact that Tuck Tuck was okay, um, he got to reunite with his family and see his grandkids for the very first time. Oh, Tuck Tuck had grandkids? Not Tuck Tuck. Oh. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, I'm sure Tuck Tuck had 
grandchildren as well. My source information, the Washington Post, United Press International, and our freak family member, Lowe, who suggested this topic. Amazing. Thank you so much. What a fun thing to have never heard about. (laughs) I know. That's wacky. Not a lot happens in Maine. You would think that something that strange would happen in our home state, we would hear about it. Right, especially something involving an electrified spear. And a chicken. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. From the far-reaching corners of our beautiful planet, the allure of gold has sparked the human imagination, stoking fires of ambition and desire 
Our story takes us on an extraordinary journey into the heart of some of the world's richest and yet unexplored lands. In the vast frozen forests of Siberia, under the frost-kissed ground, lies a veritable treasure trove of unmined gold. Meanwhile, the rugged steppes of Mongolia, untamed and unyielding, hold secrets of golden wealth beneath their surface. Australia, home of the world's largest gold nugget discovery, still tempts fortune seekers with expansive territories ripe for exploration. But our journey doesn't end on terra firma. For the true final frontier is not on our lands, but in our planet's deepest, most enigmatic expanse. The ultimate treasure lies hidden in plain sight in the vast, mysterious waters of our Earth's oceans. A staggering, estimated 20 million tons of gold dissolved, waiting in the heart of the sea, an untouched reservoir of wealth, whispering tales of fortune that could dwarf those of any land-based mine. From the soaring peaks to the unfathomable depths, our pursuit for gold remains a testament to human curiosity and endeavor. As we look forward to the future, we might not be reaching for the stars, but diving into the mysteries of our own blue planet. Cat and Jethro, I got way too excited when Cat started talking about witch marks. I learned about them last year while working as an archivist for the Easton Historical Society and Museum. Oh my gosh, so cool. Tell me everything. The oldest house in Easton, Massachusetts. Uh Uh-huh. The Josiah Keith House, circa 1717. What? Has several forms of graffiti. I joined the curator at the time in inspecting the markings that had been found all over the walls while the building was being renovated. We found stick figures, names, Sarah, for example, and particularly clear witch marks above the fireplaces. Holy cannoli. They looked like the pictures attached to this email. I wish I had some pictures of the actual marks, but I can't seem to find them. Just wanted to say your research on the topic was spot on, so I've got nothing to add. And then they sent some pictures, and I'll share them with you. Uh, That comes from Ariel. Gabriella sent us a message. Hi, guys. Well, I have two boos from number 553. Number one, the owl topic. Early this morning, I was listening to the podcast Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, number 134. It was a story titled Those Wise Eyes. I suggest checking it out because I'm not spoiling it, lol. It starts at 31 minutes. I love owls and I'm also scared of them, but they're so creepily (laughs) cute. I finally got to your podcast today and boo, owls being creepy. Yeah, that that haunts me, the whole connection between or alleged connection between ufo sightings and uh, and owls mm. being there at the same time they continue number two before i started the episode i thought i wonder if they'll talk about the titan incident and then boom again water related topic and you guys slightly mentioned it yeah i didn't want to get too yeah. into it because it's a real bummer <laughs> and this one comes from darling i just discovered your podcast and am now binging this is my morning Get up at 6 a.m., go for my morning walk with my headphones on, listening to your podcast. Scare my neighbors by randomly laughing my ass off as I walk down the sidewalk. Thank you. 
We've had a lot of emails from from new listeners. Want to welcome you all to the Freak family. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hannah sent a message. Hey, Kat, I just wanted to pop in and thank you and Jethro, of course, for sharing your wonderful selves with the world via Boo. I've been listening for years and the comfort of your humorous and compassionate storytelling has gotten me through so much. We recently said goodbye to our sweet 12-year-old family dog, and my five-year-old son was, understandably, very, very sad after his final farewell. I asked if he would like to listen to anything in the car on the drive home, and he tearfully asked for a box of oddities. Oh, no. He's also been listening for years, we do skip the tough ones, and used to call it box... Boss of bodies. <laughs> Any hoozle. I know you get a ton of messages. Thought, just thought I'd share and thank you for providing a bit of joy and comfort to both myself and my little dude. Hannah, thank you so much. This, see, yeah. That's why these messages are why I want to do a mailbox of oddities episode. Yeah. I'll end with this one. Kelly wrote, Good morning, afternoon, evening, ass crack of dawn. I don't presume to know when you read your emails. My daughter happened to wander into my office today while I was listening to Box 553 when a meal kit ad was on, and she brought up a good point. If you have no postal service in Ecuador, how will you even get your meal kits? <laughs> Are those even available in Ecuador? That is a great question, and we've actually had a few people reach out and ask us about that. We're working with uh, both Factor and HelloFresh. Uh, to to figure out exactly how we're going to do that. I uh, mean, at the very least, I'll just put them in checked luggage <laughs> and take yeah. them to South America myself. I don't know what would confuse TSA more when searching your <laughs> luggage, a container of chili from Factor or a plastic bag full of Haggis's bloody teeth. I got stopped again for a microphone in TSA earlier this week. Oh, of course you did. And they didn't think it was funny. I did. I thought it was hilarious. They said, we, what's in this case? And I said, an assassin's pistol. Stop it. And uh, You would never say that. No. I was tempted. I have to admit, I was tempted. Because it looks like an assassin's pistol. Stop. With a silencer All on right. it. All right. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances, I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. 
Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at ConstantPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The only podcast that once shot a man for snoring too loud and wound up a New York sports writer. This is The Box of Oddities. Mary Fields was born into slavery in the early to mid-1800s. The place of her birth is unknown, though historians have pinpointed Hickman County, Tennessee as the most likely location. At the time, enslaved people were treated like property, obviously, and their numbers were recorded in record books and not their names. But her story became clearer toward the end of the Civil War. After the Civil War, Mary Fields made her way up the Mississippi River working on riverboats and acting as a servant and laundress for families along the way. She ended up in Ohio, where she worked at a convent. The religious community, which still exists there today, was serene and disciplined, and there Fields worked as a groundkeeper. She was six feet tall, and she had a big, gruff personality and a penchant for cursing. And that raised some eyebrows in the quiet convent, as you can imagine. I like her already. Yeah. When asked how her journey to Toledo was, she reportedly told one of the nuns that she was ready for a good cigar and a drink. (laughs) Records show that the nuns complained often about her volatile temper and her difficult, quote unquote, nature. According to historian D. Garceau Hagen, one nun remembered Fields' wrath when anyone disturbed her lovingly kept grounds, saying, God help anyone who walks on the lawn after Mary had cut it. (laughs) It also caused some issues at the convent that Mary preferred to wear men's clothing. She drank, she swore, and occasionally she got in fights. She also carried a gun, and she could outshoot most men with a rifle or revolver. And she spent many a nights in rough, hard, scrabble, working-class bars. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1888, Mother Amadeus was sent to Montana Territory to establish a girls' school for Native American girls at St. Peter's Mission. Now, we'll probably get into why that's terrible later, but moving right along... Learning that Amadeus was stricken with pneumonia, Fields hurried to Montana to nurse her back to health. I love her name. Amadeus. Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus. This bit here is debated, the why of her getting to Montana. But either way, we do know that she made her way to Montana in 1884. Fields initially worked for a convent in Montana, where, again, she did odd jobs, cooking, cleaning, laundry. And she worked for St. Peter's Convent And she probably would have stayed there, but word of her wild ways reached a bishop that was new and the first Catholic bishop in Montana. And he began to hear stories about her rough and tumble ways. And he didn't love the idea of a woman like Mary working at the convent. So he sent word to St. Peter's that Mary was to be fired and removed from the premises. It's said that she's tried running a tavern for a while, but because she so frequently fed those that she knew could not pay, it didn't last. And then Mother Amadeus helped her get a job. 
1895, and Mary is in her early 60s, and she obtained a contract to become a star route carrier. That's a mail delivery route person um, in a rural or thinly populated area that's served by a private carrier. Um, They're under contract from the USPS, but they don't necessarily work for Mm. the United States Postal Service. Would they deliver HelloFresh or Factor, do you think, to Ecuador? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Problem solved. Mary got things done, and she would get me my chili. Usually a star route carrier would get mail from one post office to another or from a railroad station to a post office, and they would usually deliver mail to private mailboxes along the route. She became the second woman ever and the first African-American woman to work as a mail carrier as part of the U.S. Postal Service, though she was an independent contractor, as we discussed. She delivered mail on an eight-horse stagecoach between Cascade and St. Peter's Mission in Montana, a route that was known for its treacherous terrain and harsh weather conditions. But she never missed a day, and her reliability earned her the nickname Stagecoach Mary. That is one of the coolest old-timey Western names I've heard. I know, right? They had great names back then. Word on the street is that Mother Amadeus helped her get the stagecoach, but I can't find anything that Mm. substantiates that claim. If the snow was too deep for the horses, Fields would deliver the mail on snowshoes, carrying the sacks on her shoulders. She was known for her toughness and her strength, which she honed through years of hard physical labor. Again, she's six feet tall. She's a massive woman, and she's just hauling ass through the snow carrying these bags of I just well, I'm in love with her. The average height back then of a man was like 54, 55. This was back before they had nutrition. Mary was also known for her love of cigars, which often she would smoke while leading her horses through this tough terrain. I mean, the picture in my head. She's also again carrying this gun on her hip. And uh, she had to use it from time to time. According to one story, she once knocked out a man with a single punch after he insulted her. (laughs) Another time, she reportedly saved a group of nuns and schoolchildren from a band of robbers by firing her gun into the air to scare them off. And yet they still kicked her out. I know, right? Mm. She was a powerhouse dichotomy. So fearless and tough, but lauded by her community for her generosity and her kindness to children. Fields continued to work as a mail carrier until 1901 when she was forced to retire due to her age and declining health. So it was about a six-year period where she was stagecoach Mary. But because of her huge personality, she didn't need more time than that to establish herself in the community. She spent the rest of her days in Cascade, Montana, where she was a beloved figure. She remained famous, even becoming the mascot for the town's baseball team. What? (laughs) Mary was beloved by so many people in the town. She drank in saloons for free. She ate for free at local restaurants and hotels. So even though she had kind of this hard scrabble life and she really Mm. had to work... The last years of her life, after she stopped delivering the mail, she was treated like a queen in her town. I love that. I do, too. She died on December 5th, 1914, at the age of 82. 
Now, despite her achievements, Fields was largely forgotten by history until 1970, when writer Gary Cooper wrote a book about her life called Mary Fields, a.k.a. Stagecoach Mary. And since then, she's become a beloved figure in Montana history. There are books and plays and even a TV series has been written about her life. Hmm. Wow. And with a cool name like that, it's not surprising. Right? It writes itself. It's much better than Big Nose Kate. Why you gotta bring up such a painful memory from my past? No, no, not you. Not Big Nose Cat. Big Nose Kate, she was in Tombstone during the shootout. Calamity Jane, that's another good female Western name. Yeah, much better than Typhoid Mary. Not a Western name, but yeah. Now, I was hoping that I could find some sort of like stagecoach Mary Museum in Cascade, Montana. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's not a ton going on there. So I figured maybe a cute little badass bitch museum would work, (laughs) right? Um, So I checked out TripAdvisor and the, the number one advisable trip to take while in Cascade, Montana is Old U.S. Highway 91 Historic District. And the main photo of that is a groundhog. So, okay, well. um, it looks great. There's one review. It's five stars. The groundhog got a five star. Good. Yeah. But I feel like that's a real opportunity. That's all I'm saying, Cascade. Get on it, Cascade. I got my information from Smithsonian, from Mary Fields, a.k.a. Stagecoach Mary by Gary Cooper, The Remarkable Life of Stagecoach Mary on History.com, and BlackPast.org. What a fascinating woman. I really want to dig a little bit deeper into her story because uh, it sounds like it's, uh, it's something that I would really vibe on. Stagecoach Mary Museum. I want to thank those of you who are supporting our show on Patreon, you guys who are members of the Order of Freak and, of course, the coveted Inner Circle. Um, if you've not yet joined the Order of Freaks and you would like to do so and support the show, you get ad-free episodes and a bunch of other stuff that's really cool, like a Zoom meeting, which we have to do pretty quickly before we go to Ecuador. We've got a bonus episode coming up, too. Yep, we do. Go to theboxofoddities.com. There you can find the link for that. Also, the link for our merch uh, which, by the way, the, the Friends Freaks t-shirt is doing very well. Yeah, great job, you. Well, Selling like hotcakes. Never understood that phrase. Hotcakes? Selling like hotcakes. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, I've never understood that phrase. Have you not seen how well hotcakes sell? <laughs> no, I have to admit I'm, I'm a little lax when it comes to monitoring the economic growth of uh, breakfast food. Let me tell you, it's, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.
love history, but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.